This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. And I'm Mashi Lipsker. Lovely to be with you again. A good of Shabbos. What a wonderful special Shabbos this promises to be. And the days are getting longer. And summer is here. And summer normally says to us, slow down, take it easy, rest up. But for a Jew, there's never just plain rest. Everything we do is in order to again channel the energy, the rest, the wealth, the upliftment. Everything doesn't just stop there. It's not just for me, but it's promond. It's for the world. What a special Shabbos that our chief rabbi has labeled, has publicized, has pushed, has done the most awesome, awesome campaign for. And of course, we know that if the entire nation were to keep a Shabbos, Mashiach could come. Obviously, Mashiach is very, very close. And the Parsha this week, Lech Lecha, talks to us very, very clearly about the part that we need to play to make it all happen. Because the Parsha this week is about the glorious beginning of our nation. And just as our father Avraham, the first Jew, responded to God's calling him to set out to journey on a mission, it continues to be our mission It is a national mission, a personal part that each one of us plays in the bigger global picture. Indeed, this is the third Shabbos. We had Bereshit, Genesis, the first Parsha. We have the next Parsha last week was Noach, and now we have Lech Lecha, a triad, three. And in truth, they form a progression, and give us a message. The first parsha, Bereshis, a brand new world, a beautiful, unsullied world created by Hashem. When we look outside, and we see the sun shining and the sky blue and the beautiful trees and the wonderful vegetation and breathe the air. All of that can remind us of how it might have been in the Garden of Eden. Pure, unsullied, fresh. God had set the stage for man to play his part. A soul inside a body. Incredible spiritual spiritual energy inside a seemingly physical facade. And yet, unfortunately, Adam and Eve did not play their part right there on that first day, and they were expelled from Gan Eden. They were thrown out of the Garden of Eden. And what happened after that? Of course, after that expulsion, humanity becomes locked in a downward spiral. Humanity becomes more and more selfish, less and less God-aware, more and more corrupt, until eventually, by the end of the first Parsha, 
God has decided to destroy his handiwork, and only Noah found favor in the eyes of God. And then last week's parsha, not a happy parsha at all, a parsha with difficulty, where God destroys all of creation, where everything in the world is covered by water, where only one family survives, and two animals of every kind, and seven of the kosher kinds. And then it's a new world. Noah comes out, and it's Oilam Chodoshro. He sees a new world, and he goes forward. It takes guts to go forward knowing that it really could be destroyed again, God forbid. But Hashem promises never again to send a flood, and the rainbow appears. The first Parsha is a very happy Parsha. The previous Rebbe quotes his father, the first Parsha is a Freilicha Parsha. God created the world, but it ends on a bit of a sour note. The second Parsha is the, fl- the flood, quite a, a miserable Parsha. It has the building of the Tower of Babel, but it ends on a happy note, the birth of Avraham Avinu. But this week, Lech Lecha, is the truly joyous Parsha. Every day, he says, we live with Avraham Avinu, the first one who began to journey, took it really seriously to bring this world to its fruition, to bring about and reveal why God created the world in the first place, and to actually give life to the teaching that it is only through man that God can actually have a dwelling place in the work of his hand in all of creation. And from that time, from the time that Hashem said to Avraham, go forth from your land. And from the time that Avraham journeyed on and continued to travel southward, something incredible began. And in Kabbalah, it's known as the mystical mission of Birurim. What does that mean? It's a term that speaks about sifting the material, elevating the divine sparks that are found within all of creation. And those parts of creation that are permissible, the activities that we're allowed to do, the food we're allowed to eat, the clothing we're allowed to wear, the associations and relationships that are permitted to us. When we don't just use them to satisfy ourselves, but we use them for a spiritual purpose, we achieve something called avoidas habirurim, the divine task of sifting out the sparks of holiness that are found in all of God's creation. And then the Rebbe points out that people are propelled by divine providence to travel to the place where their sparks are waiting for them. The sparks that from the time of creation have been designated for this particular person that only he can elevate. The sparks are waiting 
for that particular soul to interact with that particular physical matter, social interaction, event, and to use it not for a selfish but for a godly purpose. And then the Rebbe points out that Sadikim have the gift of vision. And they can see where their sparks are waiting for them. And they go there of their own accord. And of course, we have so many stories of great Sadikim, like the Baal Shem Tov, who took a trip to a particular place, where he went to a particular spot and did particular things either in that spot or with an individual that he found there. For they were waiting for their sparks to be elevated. So Tzadikim know where to go, but for the ordinary folk, for common people, God brings us to the place where we need to be. An entire chain of events that seem just to happen are set into motion to bring us to a place. And once we get there, we have the obligation to fulfill the specific task of sifting the Gashmias, sifting the materiality and elevating the sparks that are found there by connecting with, living really in the world, but living for a divine purpose. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. Delighted to be with you on this very special Erev Shabbos. Erev Shabbos Parshas Lech Lecha, the beginning of the nation, the beginning of the national mission, living each day with Avraham Avinu, not only to see what he did and learn from what he did, but to be empowered by what he did. Ma'asei avot siman lebanim. What the forefathers did is not only that they modeled it for their children, but it's also nesinas koyach. It gives us the power to do the same. And everything that happened to our patriarchs actually has happened subsequently to the nation and happens to us in a personal spiritual sense. Lech lecha. What did Hashem say to Avraham? He said, Lech lecha. It would have been enough just to say, Lech me'artzacha, leave your land. But he said, Lech lecha. He was saying, go to. Lech lecha, go for yourself. He was saying, go to your essence. Go toward your ultimate purpose. When we go according to the Torah, when we follow the ways of the Torah, what is going in the way of the Torah? Going in the way of the Torah means progressing. Halicha b'Torah. If we go in the Torah way, it will take us to our ultimate purpose, to ultimate joy, to ultimate fulfillment. Yes, we like things to feel good along the way, and that does not always happen. We've got to grow. We've got to climb. This is a new year. And in this year, what do we want to achieve? Not just what do we want to be given to us, but what do we want to dig for, to plant, so that a year's, in a year's time, we'll turn around and say, I really grew this year. 
in this year. Lech lecha, go to your true essence. Who are we within? We are actually a soul, a soul that is infinite. We are never finished. Hashem is saying to Avraham and to us, Lech lecha, go to your true self toward an ever-increasing degree of holiness, sensitivity, kindness. You are an infinite soul. Not only will you be able to change the world, but you change yourself in the process. Nevertheless, Avraham, who responds to Hashem's call, and he's going, he's listening, it doesn't always go so smoothly. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But let's look. The third parsha this week. Here we encounter who we really are. With the story of Avraham being selected by Hashem to start the Jewish nation. And through him and ultimately us to actually release humanity from that downward spiral from the moral degeneration. Humanity is stuck. Humanity without the environment of the Garden of Eden suffers, and they are stuck in their own physicality, selfishness. And the Jewish nation got the goal. It got the mission. Lech Lecha. Leave your land and travel to settle in the promised land. What does it mean, the promised land? It's the land that I will show you, says Hashem. I'm going to show you a different reality. And Avraham Avinu is challenged by paganism. He's challenged at every single turn. But he does not stop. He's spreading awareness of what is the source of all reality. And that doesn't exclude anyone at any time or any place. We are all not only created by God, but continuously dependent on the one God. And that was Avraham Avinu's mantra. Wherever he went, he called Kel Olam. God and world are one entity. There's no such thing as, well, there's... Friday night, Pesach Seder, Rosh Hashanah night, that's when I'm Jewish. I go to shul, that's where I feel spirituality. Kel Olam, everything is continuously dependent on Hashem. Our success, our life, our health, our nachas, our businesses. It's not because I'm so clever. The hand of God directs everything and we have choices. But the purpose for which God brings us to a place and gives us opportunities, people we meet, things to do, choices to make, is all in order to reveal the source of that reality, which is God's continuous creative power. Nothing exists, not for a fraction of of a second, without God's continued involvement and direction. And yet we find that after the whole first 
parsha when things just go down. And after the whole second parsha, where things have to be reined in, excuse the expression, in the marble, in the flood, we still have the building of the Tower of Babel, a revolution against God, a revolt, rebelling, and God disperses mankind. Only a few people remain aware of godliness. Morality, monotheism, are just being kept by a select few. And Avraham is informed by Hashem that he has been chosen to be the progenitor, the founder of the Jewish nation, and that he must settle in the promised land. And it wasn't just to change the world, but when Hashem said, go to you, he said, go to your true higher self. You could never reach that self on your own. But by choosing us, by directing us, and by us responding to God's command to spread monotheism in the world, like Avraham Avinu through goodness and kindness, we can reach something we never could have reached on our own. You know what they say about happiness. The more you give it away, the more you've got it. Through saying Lech Lecha to Avraham, and of course the Torah is eternal. It speaks to all of us at all times. What is God saying to us? Hashem made Avraham and his children after him into people who could progress beyond their own abilities. After the flood, God introduced the possibility of teshuva, that even after people commit what seemed to be fatal mistakes, they could remake their lives. And now Hashem says to Avraham, go to you. He makes it possible for us not only to come back to our original selves, but actually to return to our authentic, fundamental selves, a part of ourselves we never even knew existed. And when we go on this journey to do for others, to listen to the Word of God, to spread goodness and awareness of godliness, we uncover parts of ourselves, new and infinitely higher aspects of our own divine personality. And we also uncover and reveal our connection to Hashem, which fills us with incredible joy and feelings of, I am doing what I was born to do. So Avraham and Sarai and Lot, they're traveling. And then unexpectedly, something comes up, a detour. A famine breaks out in the land. Avraham is all fired up. He's the shaliach. He's Hashem's first shaliach. He's been sent by Hashem to Canaan, and he's going to spread godliness, monotheism, and... He's excited. It's a project. It's a big, big, exciting project. And yet, very soon after getting there, a hunger breaks out and Avraham is forced 
to go to a place which is probably the world's most prominent bastion of paganism, and that is to go down to the land of Mitzrayim. It's a challenge. As he gets to the promised land, there's a famine. He temporarily has to go down to Mitzrayim, to Egypt. It seems ironic that this ambitious, monotheistic um, campaigner suddenly is reduced to seeking mercy of an environment that mocks his every ideal. But something amazing happened. There was a big reversal there that all could see. First, it was frightening. It seemed a misfortune. But then, Avraham soon had the Egyptians begging him for mercy. And shortly thereafter, he and Sarai and Lot returned to the land of Israel with fabulous wealth, with greater wealth, a greater reputation, and the Egyptian princess Hagar, who would in time become the mother of Yishmael, Avraham's first child. So, when we look back at it, we can see that this seeming regression, diversion, detour, was actually a further stage in Avraham's progression to get to his goal. For Avraham is not just going to be Avram, a great father. He's going to be Avhamon Goyim. He's going to be the father of a multitude of nations. He has so many incredible goals to achieve that he never could have imagined. Message to us, we must never be intimidated by the world at large or by the world inside of us. We have struggles, and very often they threaten to flatten us, to deflate us. Neither the world without or the world within. You know, we've got a world within. Our own wants, our personal desires, our fears, our preconceived notions. If we answer God's call, lech lecha, go to yourself. And we're not doing it for our reasons, with our understanding. We put our heads down and we bow to the divine intelligence, not limiting ourselves to our own, then we are no longer bound by the limits of our own capabilities. Even things which seem to be regressions will ultimately be proven as part, an integral part, of the process that leads to an ever-increasing, ever-higher realization of what we're doing here in this world, of our divine purpose in life. It's an awesome journey, but it's a journey of inclusion. We've got to include Hashem, include Torah, and to understand that from the time that Hashem sent Avraham Avinu and said, Lech Lecha, he's saying it to all of us. By divine providence, he says, I will take you to the land that I will show you. Just go. And so, after the descent into Mitzrayim, the understanding was that afterwards, looking back, he became a more refined, aware person. He descended into Egypt, and that was a message to his children after him, that they too 
would have to descend, as it were, be dispersed, be diverted to all corners of the world, untouched corners of the world, to cast light there, to live morally and to live a Torah way of life there. All is a preparation for their own growth and their own redemption and part of their cumulative redemption because exile is an integral part of spiritual progress, even though the progress might not be apparent. I mean, look at our world today. It doesn't seem to be growing more holy. It looks like the opposite is true. The world, and each one of us who is called a world, never moves on its own accord. The world is directed and fashioned constantly by loving divine providence. We've got to go forward like Avraham Avinu. What seems on the surface to be a decline is part of a continuous process of transformation. When we go with the flow, when we understand that it's God's hand closing doors, opening others, and we go there with full joy, connected, strongly connected to Hashem, what we do is we work on the world. We cause something to change in the world. How do we do that? Whenever we dedicate our activities and actions to Torah and mitzvahs. The world is constantly becoming more elevated and refined. In our marriages, remembering that God brought us together and he gave us our challenges and he gave us our joys to put our heads down and say, this is part of the greater good. This is part of the transformation. To meet every challenge, remembering Hashem, that Hashem is making it happen, not to siphon off our energy with guilt or doubt, but with confidence to reflect upon and then act upon the fact that by divine providence, God has arranged things in a particular way. And like Avraham Avinu, sometimes the journeying on the surface is a decline, but then we can see Ultimately, we see why, or we don't see why, but we can see things often in their true perspective. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker, Erev Shabbos Parshas Lech Lecha, the third Parsha. The Parsha number three always means that we've considered one and two and we've chosen, or we've combined one and two, and now we have the true intention of each. And so it is. The first Parsha, Bracious, God created a world. The second Parsha, Noach, man emerged into a new world after the flood. Man went through difficulty. The third Parsha, man takes the world, understands that there will be challenges, but forges ahead 
to make this world into a home for Hashem, not naively, but with great determination. This is an amazing, amazing Shabbos, as every Shabbos is. In fact, there's an amazing teaching that every Shabbos has a higher degree of holiness than the Shabbos before. Although we see that our world is dark, we don't realize that all the good deeds that have been done and are being done create light and are cumulative toward the ultimate, ultimate light, the light of Mashiach. It is so amazing to remember that every parsha teaches us now. The first Lubavitcher Rebbe said, he once in his early years, he declared, he said, we must live with the times. What does that mean? We need to change fashion when fashion changes. We need to become modern, change the buildings, change the laws. Not at all. From his brother, they found out the Rebbe was saying we must live with the portion of the week and particularly with the reading of the day, for the parsha is divided into seven. We need to understand that in Torah, everything is so exact and divine providence is so exact that from the weekly reading and the daily reading, the Torah reading, we can learn how to live in every situation we encounter, how to have the proper spiritual response. Because in reality, everything is spiritual, has a constant spiritual source. And when we connect with that source, everything is elevated. We elevate the food we eat. We elevate the garments we wear. We elevate the activity and we actually bring godliness into the seeming mundane. There is no mundane, for God has created the laws of nature as well. And here we are in the third parsha, where every single day we live with Avraham Avinu. What was Avraham Avinu about? Avraham Avinu was someone who was dedicated to hearing the word of God. Abraham Avinu was the first one who had Masiras Nefesh. He had self-sacrifice to spread godliness in the world. What is Masiras Nefesh? Masiras Nefesh means to put yourself aside, to utterly devote yourself to something Despite what you might feel, what you might want, it's not about my comfort. It's not about my preconceived ideas. Mesiris Nefesh means to totally devote oneself. When God says to us, Lech Lecha, go, obviously, he said you have to leave. Aretzacha, your land, which Hasidus says, your own desires, your your rotzoin. Your birth, your birthplace. That means your own characteristics, which often cripple and limit us. Your own midos, your own habits. And from your father's house, your upbringing, or as Hasidus says, of is chokhmah, 
your own seichel, the way you see things. All those things tend to hold us down. God says, rise above all of that and go to the land that I will show you. Or the land, the word land is desire. Go to the higher desire that I will reveal to you. But in order to experience that, we need Mesiras Nefesh. We need to devote ourselves utterly. And Avraham did. He was the first one to totally devote his life to proclaiming the existence of God in the world. The good news is that this Mesiris Nefesh, he bequeathed to each and every Jew, all of his children, as an inheritance. An inheritance is not something that you work for. It's something you just get. It's true. As long as we're preoccupied with our own status, our own wealth, our own importance, we're likely to be unhappy because our sense of worth will be based just on what we have. Do we have enough money? Do we have enough knowledge? Even spiritually, have I grown enough spiritually? No matter how much I get, achieve, it's rarely enough. Where can you find happiness? True happiness is found by transcending the self-occupation, the self-concern, and investing our personal resources, whatever they are, in a purpose that's bigger than us. Teenagers are constantly seeking highs, pleasures. What are they seeking? They're actually seeking a moment of tra- of trans of self transcendence, a moment of transcendence. And similarly, that desire can be seen as the inner motivator behind something like hero worship or adoring a sports team. In our culture, people just look at these and they they want this kind of transcendence, this idol worship, someone that's bigger than me, that can do better than me. But true self-transcendence comes from identifying with God's purpose for creation. That's how we can connect, connect with something that's really infinite, that's really genuine, that constantly connects us to the infinite and fills us with that glow of fulfillment. And that feeling is lasting. It's eternal. Avraham Avinu didn't just show us what to do, but he gave us that spiritual inheritance. In our souls, we desire to experience this genuine Mesiras Nefesh, transcending self. It fills us. It heals us. It focuses us. And that is a gift from Avraham Avinu. There's an amazing, amazing piece in the Parsha this week where Avraham Avinu gave a tithe of everything of the spoils of war that he got. He gave him a tenth of everything. What does it mean when we give miser? We give a tenth. We give a tithe. Well, a person is bound to give 10% of whatever he earns, 10% of his wealth, 
to Hashem. How do you do that? By giving to tzedakah, by giving to a genuine yeshiva, where they study genuine Torah, by giving to a genuine project which promotes the awareness of God, which promotes reaching out to other people, giving to the poor, sustaining, helping the old, the sick, the weak, money. When we give away something we have earned, it expresses our awareness that actually everything belongs to Hashem, and everything has to be used for a holy purpose. Why do people generally amass wealth? They want to improve their lives. They want to give to their loved ones and give them a better life. But the more we internalize the values of Torah, the more whatever we do in the world is motivated by our desire to make the world a godly place, more godly, more refined, more connected, more sensitive to godliness. But what happens when you just get an inheritance, when unearned wealth comes your way? We might not realize that we need to relate to it in the same way. But Avraham Avinu miraculously received all these spoils of war. And then he set an example for his children after him. He showed us that not only the wealth that we worked for and produced by ourselves belongs to Hashem, but all our wealth belongs to Hashem. And of course, that includes what we received from our parents in terms of upbringing and refinement, not only what we worked for in refining ourselves. We must offer the world our best whatever we've got. Amazingly, Hashem promises to pay us back many times over for giving Him our tithes. In fact, He begs us to test Him in this. We're not allowed to test Hashem in anything, but He begs us to test Him by giving away for tzedakah and spiritual tzedakah, which means to nurture and uplift the spiritually deprived, the spiritually hungry, the spiritually uninitiated. We need to follow Avraham Avinu's example, even with our unearned wealth. And if we do that, our lives will be a clear example, a shining example of how Hashem rewards those who fulfill His will. And just by doing this, we become a beacon of light that disseminates the knowledge of Hashem's goodness and kindness throughout the world. For people will see how Hashem rewards those who work to spread His name, who work to be kind to others. Suddenly, people will see that it isn't just for me but it's for the greater will, for the greater good of the world. Tonight we're going to usher in Shabbos Lech Lecha. Tonight we're going to usher in a very special Shabbos, because every Shabbos is special. But tonight we connect with Avraham and Sarah. We connect strongly with every word in the Parsha. 
which is a directive to us as their descendants. They modeled it for us, and they empowered us to do it, and they gave us in our DNA as an inheritance everything that we need to complete the mission. Each one of us is a link in this incredible, unbreakable golden chain. And we're going to light candles at 6.03 tonight. And in many communities, people will gather and light candles together. And then from this afternoon, when we get into keeping Shabbos properly, and from the moment that we light those candles and pray over them, that Hashem accept our personal prayers, until 6.54 tomorrow night, the glorious example that Abraham Avinu set will be modeled, will be modeled by countless people throughout the world. And just to end with this, Abraham was taken out and shown the stars and told, so will your children be. The Jewish people are likened to stars that sparkle in the heavens. Thanks to their light, even a person walking in the darkness of night will not get lost, will not lose his way. Each one of us, man or woman, have the moral and spiritual power to become a source of light and influence for our friends and associates and to bring them into a place of light. Each one of us is privileged twice a day to say the Shema and proclaim God's unity in the world. But what greater way to proclaim God's unity than to actually show the Ahafta, to show love for another in a material or in a spiritual sense. Each one of us has tremendous, tremendous light to offer. And so, phone someone and invite them to be part of your Shabbos, not only this week. Phone someone and encourage them to do another mitzvah. And who knows, Mashiach will be here before we even finish the week. Have a good Shabbos, a good Tomid.